Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome to episode 75 of another Woo! podcast, three-quarter centennial pine. What? <laughs> you just threw words together. Three-quarter centennial. It's uh, 75. Three-quarters three quarters of, of, of centennial? Of 100. That's yeah, true. And then you yeah, threw pine Three-quarter centennial pine. I don't, well, I don't believe any of that. Well, because it has to be. Pine is fine. Oh, you know okay. what else is fine, Mike? Mike, what else is fine? Well, first of all, my favorite thing that's fine is pine, of course. Everyone loves pine. Be a pine farmer. It's going to be a. That's my big announcement, Pete. You took it right out from under my wings, out of my mouth. I don't know. You know what's really fine? A great big bucket of fine. Patreon.com forward slash the Woodshop Podcast. If you want to go over to Dan, you didn't like. I saw you shake your head, Dan. That is not cool. <laughs> Dan, Dan's like, Mm-mm, not this time, guy. <laughs> Go to uh, patreon.com. It was my Tourette. Don't don't read too much into it. <laughs> lovely, lovely hat. Forward slash another Woodshop podcast. And you could support the show financially. You could back us. You could go fund our show through Patreon if you wanted to. But three people decided to join the meh army this last week. And I wanted to give them a little, little shout out right now. That's Tim Lindell, David St. Laurent. And Dave, we got two Davids. That's dope. I think we have more David than two week. Davids. We just got two new Davids. No, two new Davids Whoa. in a two in a row. <laughs> Not six Davids in a row. row. Wow, come on. Not six. One week we need six da- six Ds in a row. Davids in a row. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> then David Snyder. So big thanks to uh, all three of you guys for joining the Matt Army. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> hey, you know what? This week, uh, this community is amazing. Obviously, that's. Very evident by you guys supporting our show. We really appreciate it. But this week, the uh, community lost a beloved member of the community. And Pete's going to talk about that right now. We just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. So, uh, we kind of wanted to bring this up and, you know, dedicate the show to to uh, Aaron Mattia, who uh, unfortunately passed away this week due to some complications from surgery. Uh, if you're not familiar with Aaron, uh, you know, uh, Dan, Mike, and myself have been fortunate enough to meet him uh, via Zoom when we did our stoops and, and clubhouse. He's a great member of uh, Jimmy Duresta's team. He was a shop manager. Uh, he actually used to work on Mythbusters behind the scenes as well. Uh, you know, he was, he was a solid dude, super nice, great member of the community up here. Um, you know, would do the uh, the Maker Camp, which we'll talk about a little later. So I uh, just wanted to, you know, give him a shout out, send some love to him and his family, some thoughts and prayers. And, uh, you know, it's 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 rough when you lose a member of our community. It's, it's, uh, it's tough. So, you know, just want to give a, Give him a big shout out. I didn't know him very well or at all. I can't like say that I did, but uh, the outpouring of, um, you know, condolences and how heartwarming, heartwarming anecdotes and stuff. It was there was a lot on on multiple different posts. So obviously he was very beloved, and uh, his legacy will go on. So it's really good. I had it's the really cool. uh, pleasure of interacting with him several times on Zoom, and uh, everything is true. Good dude. Yeah, and uh, I mean the outpouring of from you know of love from the community, you can see that there this community is real. When when this happens, something like this happens, like we all react. Um, 
And that's why, you know, we love this community. We love you guys because we're all, we're all connected. You know, we may have never met him, but it, it hit us all the same. We're all like, whoa, that's, that's devastating. That's, that's tough. But sending you love, man. For sure. It's important to have an impact in the community. And, you know, obviously we're doing what we do here. We love doing it. And obviously that's impacted some people's lives. For example, uh, Shags44 had this to say. <laughs> I finally received the financial compensation I was entitled to due to myself and or a loved one being diagnosed with mesothelioma <laughs> and listening to AWP helped me figure out how. <laughs> Thank you for the four stars. Shags was, four, four. Was, it, was it four or five stars? It was four, five out of five. Five stars. Five, five out of five. five. I was yeah. going to say four stars. Four stars. Sorry, no. Five out of five. Oh, man, uh, we asked you guys, and you guys yeah. delivered. Yeah. That's why we, we love you all. We asked for ridiculous reviews, and you guys are amazing. So, we got three this week. Uh, let's move from the uh, loss of Aaron to some little... Lev- uh, We're going to make you here. guys, you know, smile and celebrate. <laughs> yeah. So, whenever I... Uh, this is from uh, Literal Gina, <laughs> or it's Literal Gina. Oh, I couldn't... Pr- I I'm not was sure. trying to figure uh, that out. <laughs> I kind of like Gina. Let's go with Gina. It's Literal Gina. <laughs> Gave us a five out of five. She or and or he said, uh, whenever I'm listening to AWP, my cat starts itching herself like a lot. She acts like she's trying to scratch her ears off. Sometimes she just runs into the walls head first. It's weird. I found her with a rope one time and I swear she was tying a noose. On the other hand, my wife leaves me alone in the shop when I listen, which probably saved my marriage. Thanks, AWP. (laughs) (laughs) That was a roundabout way of saying that. My cat almost Epstein himself, (laughs) but my marriage is safe. (laughs) Uh, Hey, uh, Mark Arnold, it's a miracle. The itching finally stopped after episode 74. Three thumbs. (laughs) Three thumbs up. (laughs) Meanwhile, Dan's sitting there scratching all (laughs) pre-show. It doesn't always work. 60% of the time it works every time. Anyway, uh, big thanks for the reviews, you guys. Uh, That was pretty dang funny. I love this Uh, new segment. And to anyone yeah. that's confused, is yeah. we basically requested that you guys leave ridiculous, totally confusing five-star reviews for us. So if people stumble upon us, you know, we go up in rating, people are like, oh, there's, oh, it's a woodworking podcast. Let me check the reviews. Make no sense. We want people to really be confused. We'd really like as much man army confusion as possible. Ma- <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rail that male, May army into the ground. Dan it's, really it's had something. Mayhem. I love it. Mayhem. Don't, don't ruin this. <laughs> May, may. <laughs> All right, it's just man. Uh, we, I don't know. My week was kind of weird. I don't have a lot, a whole lot to talk about. But uh, I know there's something we do want to talk about in the "What's on My Bench" segment. But we can't talk about any of that until Dan sings with his beautiful angelic voice right now. What's on my bench? I believe I'm pregnant now. It's facts. <laughs> Um, well, itching Dan, stopped. Dan's beautiful itching stopped, and now I'm pregnant with Dan's voice, baby. Well, it could be Dan's... from me for now. <laughs> up, until, <laughs> up until Nick Nick Brim gets his uh, tin snips out. Um, Dan, speaking of tin snips, what's on your bench this week, or what was on your bench? I don't know how we segue from this. I, there's no way to segue from that. I don't think um, you could jump on your segue and try to run away. Get it? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Oh. So uh, I got my little, Meh. I got the little end table done. The one that I've been talking about making on the CNC and everything. I think it came out really great. I really it do. Dope. Uh, I'm super happy with it. I got it up on Etsy. I need to get the files ready and uh, the templates done and everything. Uh, I had a few people say they would like the templates. So all two of you, 
soon. Um, Thanks, dude. mom. <laughs> it's mom, <laughs> mom, and Aunt Brenda. Um, <laughs> uh, aside from that, uh, I've had a shop helper. He's been uh, working on one of the mosaics that not one of the mosaic that I had commissioned. <laughs> one of the one mosaics. <laughs> oh, I thought you were back in the game. <laughs> one of the one. Uh, it's actually coming out really good. I need to share it like someday on Instagram. Uh, he's been working on that. Uh, just a lot of little shop things, Etsy orders and whatnot. So I feel like a broken record at this point. I'm, I'm, you know, Etsy, 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 CNC, uh, that kind of like controls my life right now. It, it's kind of crazy. It is a little, it is a little money making machine. It's, it's nice to have. Um, I did take some more orders. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last week. I got three or oh, I got one order for three of those slide tables. You did. I did I mention that? And you I got to ship them off to San Francisco, so I got to figure out. Rice Uh Well, <laughs> does that uh, trolley train come to Nebraska? I don't know. I believe cable so, car. Yes. Cable yes. car. That's what it's called. Check your Apple Apple Maps. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then check, I'll just I'll you, can, just, you can check car walking trolley. Trolley that's all in there for the distances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got that. Uh, I got to make eight more side tables for that that same client so on to the next side table hmm. and aside Is from that, that cnc table part of that did that yeah. go to them yeah 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 oh, okay cool that was one so basically i'm gonna i'm building like i'm making two side tables for their reading room and they're gonna be kind of complementary to each other uh making a side Not table lovely hat <laughs> complimentary <laughs> <laughs> i get it um i'm making a coffee table and side table like uh package for them for their basement and i'm also making some side tables for their upstairs bedroom and then i'm gonna make a desk for one of their offices so i got like a lot of projects nice. for this one client which is great uh That's because awesome. i like i like money so this is all money's dope side side Table work, side work, right? Oh, it's like all side jobs, side table jobs. <laughs> why do we? Sorry, it's a stretch. I know. Why I do had, we keep him? Do it. Anybody? I'm the comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> Not much relief. Oh my god, that song was amazing. I think we. I petitioned to change the "What's on My Bench" song to Pete. I'm the comic that. relief. <laughs> so, comic relief. All right, so let's listen to Dan He's describe like, his day. Comic relief. <laughs> and and okay. Enough of the the what's on my bench actual stuff. I booked a trip to go see Pete in early October. October. October, October something. October 7th-ish. 7th? We talked about going for the weekend, but I booked a five-day trip. I'm going to go hang out there. I didn't even ask. By the way, Pete, I'm Technically, coming. you're getting in at like the super end of the first, <laughs> first By the way, day Pete, leaving I'm, 6 I'm staying day. there for five days. I hope that's cool. Five? That's fine. I mean, five? Five or six. Holy something like that. That's <laughs> pretty long. I mean, it's like he's coming in Wednesday and then leaving Monday morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think I'm probably doing days. the same. I might grab a red eye out on Saturday. Fine. I don't have to work or anything. It's no big deal. You work from home. It's fine. <laughs> Stop being a whiner. Anyway, that's kind of what's on my bench. Mike, tell me about your week, please. Oh, me. Okay. I was going to try to look up some nope, uh, go. tickets to go to. Okay. Uh, You're going to buy your tickets well, right now? <laughs> do you, do right you want now. me to go while you look up a ticket? 
No, I'm fine. Actually, the prices the price are pretty low right now. Like, really low. Yeah. Anywho, uh, I built three tables. No, not tables. I built three table tops for a restaurant this week. Um, restaurants opening up next week. Tabletops. So that's like cool. large swing planks, right? There's huge cutting board. Yeah, they're big swing planks. <laughs> I made a uh, I made a swinging porch uh, bench, <laughs> yeah. um, but then I cut off the arms just, and just no. massive cutting boards. That's all. Yeah, there's big cutting boards. Uh, two thirty by forty eight and one thirty by sixty six table. They were uh, eight quarter, but I I had them. I ordered them up roughs on. I didn't. I did all the milling, which I like doing, because so it came in a true two inch, which was nice because I could get it down to the size. It, the reason I did that is because I just wanted to join the joints and then flatten it all in the CNC and have plenty of leftover. So it made uh, that process really quick. Um, so it was mostly, <clears throat> almost entirely, just finishing work for the most part. <laughs> Making the panels didn't take hardly any time at all. So uh, I did that, and then I'm doing a lot of administrative stuff right now. I'm pricing up a lot of work, which is awesome. Um, so it was mostly that kind of stuff, really. This week, got some. Uh, hey, uh, Mike, sorry, quick question for tabletops like that. Are you uh, joining them with dominoes, or are you just straight up gluing them up? That's a huge surface area. I didn't use any dominoes for that. No, I okay. just that's that's what I figured. It, yeah, it was like two inches is like a ton of. Because I know you use them sometimes face. for alignment for like larger tables. Yeah, when I when I'm not like um, so like for live edge, I only do it for live edge tables because the parallel clamps have like weird faces to grab against to pull together Mm -hmm. and the dominoes just helps it from sliding up and down. So, um, but a table like that, there's so much glue surface face. It's just not even an issue. Um, also when I have like a table that I'm not hundred percent certain on the wood, like moving a little bit after I've joined it. Uh, like if I can't, um, if I don't have any, thickness to lose if i'm done losing thickness on a table i will use dominoes to make sure that i don't have to sand away anything to make everything flushed up you know what i mean so i don't have to yeah. feather it out so when i have like no play i won't but <clears throat> i try to avoid it when i can it's not enti- it's not right necessary on. at all anyway long story um and then uh i got a, got some final word on this big giant table for the bar finally uh looking like i'm delivering that on september 7th which is great i cannot wait to get that out of here uh it's been a real um real learning experience with that job. Just it wasn't anything I didn't really know because of my, my job with my family, but uh, dealing with commercial customers, there's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through. So uh, just kind of getting like dealing with that for my own business has been a really nice learning experience. Um, It's been a fine experience. They haven't been a difficult customer at all. They've been a great customer. There's just a lot of things that a big job site like that requires and uh, I have to accommodate them. So uh, I'm learning that. And that's really, I mean, I'm really chasing more of that commercial work as much as I can. Um, so had some good conversations with some interior designers this week. If you can find a way to get, I'm going to be, okay, here's an inside scoop that I did this week. <laughs> well, in the last couple of weeks, I Google searched best interior designers in my area. And then I just like and follow bombed the crap out of their <laughs> Instagram pages. And I did that to about 20 interior designers in the area. And it netted me three conversations that were very good. So if you're looking for work for your little business, that's one way to do it. It worked out pretty good for me. I was really happy with it. And the other ones, like the majority of them followed me back. So there's the opportunity for possible networking there. Network whenever you can. It really helps out a lot getting to know people. So, um, Anyway, that was one thing I did. Uh, but yeah, it's just been mostly administrative stuff, kind of getting things planned and laid out. Um, I've got to get um, this poker table. I'm going to get some progress on that next week. This weekend's going to be dedicated to the big Sky Lounge table. I want to get that joint done for that mitered leg or for the mitered uh, waterfall edge done this weekend with my cousin here. 
I want to get the uh, leveler feet installed and I want to get uh, started on getting the finishing going on that. Uh, and then I want to really jump into the poker table, spend the majority of the time on that next week. And then I will be jumping on to um, this Redwood table I've got. And then I've got like a bunch of little custom orders that I've been doing all week. I just constantly get random little custom orders in, which is cool. So, uh, And then, oh, the house. That's kind of really the thing that's going on this week. We got um, – we're still in negotiations on this house. Uh, I think we're kind of going to wrap up the negotiations tomorrow. Um, we actually – realistically wrapped it up today. There's some just everyone has to sign the agreement now and we're on the same page with that. And then um, we're just waiting on an appraiser now. It's just really, really hard to get an appraiser apparently. So um, we're just waiting on an appraiser. And unfortunately, we found out today that we might not get an appraiser until the uh, 31st of August, Jesus. which is the end of the month. So but are, are they um, in a rush to close or no? These people are. They're in a big rush to close because oh, they, they already, they already the, I, well, I don't want to give up too much of their personal information, but they're moving out of state and the wife already has a job. She starts in a few weeks. She's like going to be gone. The husband's going to be staying behind, like wrapping up all the stuff by himself. So the wife and the kids are going <clears> up there. So uh, they're in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, and we are, we aren't in a hurry, but it'd be nice to get everything done. And I just want resolution on this. It's just so frustrating. It's taking yeah. so long. So, um, and some of the other stuff I won't talk about because it'll come up in the questions we're going to have here. So I'll talk about that uh, when we get into some of the questions. Pete, what about you? Oh, me? Little, oh, little well, old you? Little old me. Uh, I, I've i been – I went sailing for a week and it was amazing. I was in Maine for pretty much the whole week. <laughs> I was on a boat and – I'm on a boat. I, we were going fast, and I was wearing <laughs> Got a uh, Marshall's khaki shorts. Oh, and a t -sh maker t-shirt, and <laughs> and um, <laughs> yes, and got to rhyme and with and. So yeah, I was I was out uh, in Maine. Um, Emma's. So first of all, to everyone that was asking the question, no, me and Emma did not buy a boat. We're not like made of money. We just bought a house. We're broke now. <laughs> um, and um, we po. We po. Emma's dad is a boat broker. He sells sailboats. So like By the seashore. he's got we had one in Florida. And then he ended <laughs> he up actually moving it. Boats. He he's <laughs> he sells sea boats by the seashore. So he ended up moving it to Maine because the sailing in Maine is way better than in Florida. Florida's just hot just and it's shallow. Maine is uh it, man, it's beautiful. And the weather was it was outstanding. It was like 65 pretty much the whole time we were there in sunny it was perfect weather i was warm they're all from florida they were freezing it was hilarious <laughs> meanwhile i'm just like walking around in shorts and a t-shirt fine <laughs> but it was a blast i really enjoy sailing but you know it's camping on a boat it's it's what it is you're in a camper except you can't like leave except you know in a little dinghy so you gotta take a little boat and out. you can't have a fire um you can't have a fire that's one big downside but aside from that it's straight up just camping uh, and it was just nice to like disconnect, especially after all the work we've been putting in on a house. It was nice to just get away uh, get and see some of these old boats. Well, the house. Of, I'm just joking. What? You know, I said, did you get a house? house. <laughs> yeah, the house. Yeah, the um, house. It was nice to walk away. But now that we're back, like the last day and a half, I also had no service, like almost the whole time I was there. So we finally got back to like civilization. And I started like making plans for things I got to do and all that. Uh, so on the way back, we were heading... Um, through Boston. So we started talking to a couple people, uh, Lucas from man made, uh, Dre from crafted with crafts with Dre or crafted with Dre. I apologize. I'm messing that up. And then Lee from Regal street. 
uh, league in. Uh, they're all in Boston, so we ended up doing a little meetup at uh, uh, Lucas's shop or his house, and we got to see his shop, and he's got a ton of really old uh, tools in there. He's buddies <laughs> with uh, Thresta and, you know, uh, you know Aaron as well, rest his soul. Uh, so like the rest of Derek from Alden, like uh, Alden, all these guys like that are up from like that whole area that just collect tools. All they do is like message each other when a, like an old tool pops up and they try to fix them up. And it's cool because Luke, Lucas actually does all the, if there's a broken part, he'll mill all the parts himself. He has a small, uh, I don't know if it's a bridge port or what, but it's like a benchtop milling machine and a milling lathe. So that's pretty cool. And we got to hang out a bit, catch up, and then... Um, we got home at like 2.30 last night, just a little rough of a commute, but that was a great trip. Now, one thing I did, actually, I should have mentioned this in the beginning. I, since I was going on vacation, my turnaround time on Etsy is usually one to three days. And I, I stick to that. I have a pretty good record, but I was going to be away for a week. And I was, I kept getting orders up until like, I was like, I, Emma, I have to close up the shop. I have to put in vacation mode. And then she was like, why don't you just put like extend the lead time? And I'm like, why don't I? So I just changed everything to seven days. And it's a good thing I did because I got hammered with orders while I was away. Like I, I haven't gotten this many orders in a long time in one, in one weekend. So came in yesterday or well, came in last night and then today boxed up all all the orders. I'm completely cleaned out. So I have to start running the printers, uh, pretty much nonstop for the next few days to restock. So that was pretty good. So Hey, lesson learned guys. Don't ever go and put your shop in vacation mode. Just extend the lead times. Boom. It's way easier. Makes sense. Um, yeah, aside from that, I'm back home. I started setting up my shop uh, a little bit today and my office. So I'm finally going to, hopefully next week, I'll be recording with a different background. I'll be in my office and not in the downstairs in a basement with the printers. Uh, and what's the cool is I got to sit. Yeah. <laughs> and about and bodies. And uh, I got this uh, really dope sit stand desk. I was like, you know what? I'm going to have this desk. If, if it's as long as the old one, I'm going to have it for 10 plus years. Let me get a nice one. So it's a big L-shaped sit-stand desk, fully motorized. And I ended up getting Ikea butcher block top. You can get this ash butcher block. It's 96 inches for 70 bucks. So by like by 24 inches. So yeah, you got it. Or 25 you got it that, actually. That one time on like discount, right? Or the No, the so that was a different one. That was like oh. a whole different one. That, that was actually some nicer fancier wood that's going to go in the uh, laundry room this we just straight up went there bought two of those so i'm going to have almost a full stretch i have to cut off like a little less than a foot off of one end and then the other one i have to cut it down to about 55 inches i think it's the biggest that my table can uh, accommodate so i'm gonna have this massive like executive butcher block desk out of this ikea butcher block that they have and it's eighth inch veneer with a hard like a solid core so this thing is heavy as hell uh, but the desk can lift 330 pounds, so we should be good. So I'm excited for that. So tomorrow we'll cut it all down to size, get it all put together, and I'm going to have a desk finally for the first time in forever. I want to get one of those really bad when I finally set up my office. I want to get a sit-stand really bad. I'll, I'll, like, I'll tell you how the one I got feels because it seems really solid. The reviews were really good. It was a little pricey, but again, it was like I'm going to have this desk for a decade. It, no, it was it, well, not that pricey, but it, like oh. it was a... Uh, 550 bucks 600 bucks yeah, for the bad. base I, I just want to get the base and i want to get um i want to i have an elm slab down <laughs> in the shop that i want to turn into my desk really bad so honestly if i had enough like hardwood laying around or whatever because i just i was trying not to go and buy hardwood i was i knew i was gonna have time to like mill it all up but if i have my shop ready i might have probably made a top eventually i might do that anyways but, 330 pounds anyways, you said? that's 
330 pounds I can lift. I, I want to put lift. that to the yeah. test when I'm out there. You got it, Dan. All right. I, I got you, buddy. Cool. You're, you're actually you're going to be staying in that room. I'm putting a little futon I'm sleeping on the desk. Nice leather black casting couch style Hey, thing. when I'm yeah. there, Pete, could you go to like Walmart and buy sheets for about <laughs> $1.50 and then coat no. them in Scotchgard? And yeah. then nice try, soon- Mike. I already learned... I'm not putting any sheets on there. I know you don't like those. I'm just, I kept all the the foil from painting. It's Perfect. all there. I'm just gonna wrap the bed in that. If you just like an like, old person's house, if you man, run it's to wrapped Costco in plastic. And get, get like one of those like industrial drums full of KY jelly, and then just dump the whole thing on the bed before I get there. It'd be outstanding. I'm just gonna so like, like I just lay on it and just shoot off like a rocket. Not man. <laughs> yes. I'm just like I'll take my little can of uh, WD-40. I'll just like spray. Also, if they could Slipper. please be like Wolverine sheets, I'd be really stoked. Wolverine sheets? Now you're going <laughs> yeah. too far. This joke has gone too far. I don't, I don't uh, like if it. it could be in Dan Dunlap's second story, third room, that'd be great. I don't know about you, man. I slept like a baby at Dunlap's house. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. Yeah, that was it was it was nice. Um what else? Oh, and last thing is uh I'm I'm trying to wrap up the you know, finishing up the shop over the next week or so. I want to get all the tools in the right spot. I need to get a couple more electrical boxes and some more outlets i got the outlets i cannot find at any home depot around us and i've gone to uh three already i can't find the boxes that i use in the rest of the shop and i can't find the covers the metal covers it's because lee it's probably used what electricians use the deeper boxes with the bit the, yeah the that's exactly on. what we used and it's just there's a su- such a massive shortage like i'm going to these places and you never notice Call it when electro- you go there because all the consumer stuff is like there it's the contractor grade stuff that like is gone it's it's the whole wall is like empty and they like backfill with other stuff and you realize like whoa this is almost like there's just nothing compared to what they actually had so we actually even had trouble finding a panel at the first place we went to it's nuts out there but anyways that's it um surprisingly big what's on the bench considering i was away for a week but i got a lot done today uh anyways let's start doing some questions mm-hmm. right after a word from our sponsor which is People calling in questions. Patrons. Mike's so, Furnitures. Uh, Mike's, Mike's Furniture. <laughs> right next to Mike's Furniture. Mike's furniture. Uh, you can't find it. This next Mike's question. Furniture. Well, actually, this first question. Actually, I don't even know if it's a question. It's a, some advice from Aaron from Ingrained in Woods. Hey, guys. Aaron Ingrained in Wood. So I was listening to the pod about Mike's uh, fire insurance issues. Got a buddy that lives a small town out in the middle of nowhere and his house. He could not get homeowner's insurance because uh, they did not have a fire department that serviced him on a little river. He bought a 30-year-old $9,000 fire truck, got two of his neighbors with their own cabins to uh, all take fire department training, and they started their own uh, volunteer fire department. So, Mike, you never know. You could be a volunteer firefighter and uh, start your own fire department. You Might laughed save at some me. cash that way. Love the pod, guys. Have a good one. You laughed at Thanks, me when Aaron. I suggested it, but it works. I clearly. don't remember you suggesting it. I did. I, I mean, like a couple episodes ago, I said, buy your own fire truck. You're right. It, you did say that. It's not the worst that. idea. When when Aaron explains it, it makes more sense than when Dan. Right. Oh, when sure. Dan drunk. When Dan seven. Dan was like, "Hold it, Dan slurred it." My idea. What was the drink? Had ranch ranch droppings or whatever. Was it ranch farm farm trough water or something? Farm trough water. Yeah. That's yeah. Straight from Texas. Dan seven farm trough waters into the show, slurring. Get a fire truck. It doesn't make as much sense. And then itching and keep a bucket of water at the end of your driveway. Yeah. 
No, actually, Bucket of water. Uh, that was his that, big plan. That is a good idea. I mean, the reason we were getting such high fire rates is because the nearest fire hydrant is like a mile away or two miles away. And while talking to um, my insurance guy, who's been my friend for like 20 years. Not anymore. He's not. Um, yeah, yeah well, was your friend. <laughs> yeah, he was my friend. He's gone now. No, but he was explaining <laughs> that um, if me and the Nate, because I called the water company to see what it would cost to get a fire hydrant out there and they said it'd be about 15 to twenty thousand dollars but they said typically neighbors will all go in on it and my my insurance guy was telling me that likely it would drop the insurance of everyone's policies out there like 60 to 70 percent or something like that well he his comp his insurance company would is saying that but who knows what insurance they have so it might not actually help but anyway it doesn't matter the bottom line is we were able to find someone else um state farm actually was able to write us a policy with the fire insurance included because our property or the, what's going to be our property fall or is uh, it falls under a small farm and with the small farm rates, they're actually different. So anyway, coffee um, pine farms. Sure. Yep. I, I'm a pine rancher is what we're called. Pine ranchers. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Thankfully we don't, have I can to see you out there hurting was, pine. Come on pine. Now. Get along, little pine tree. And then I'll- That's what Luna's for. She's a hurting dog. Yeah, Luna's, Luna's hurting my pine. Um, okay. This is odd. This next question is from Down Under from Ash Walker, Woodwork, and Whiskers. Hi, boys. Ash from Woodwork and Whiskers. In case you couldn't work that out. Um, I was watching Mike's stories earlier with the sanding sealer on the table. Uh, I was wondering what sort of applications do you use that for, Mike? Is it just for like large tables or do you put it on everything or how do you uh, work out what to apply that on? Interested in your thoughts. Thanks very much. Cheers. I put it on toast. (laughs) Sanding sealer is so good on toast. It's so good. No, for, so for sanding sealer, uh, it has a couple of, well, a few uses, but, um, one thing is to fill in grain. So water-based finishes tend to not like fill in like little t- – like on walnut or elm has it or white oak has it really like and a red lot. Oak. Really any of the oaks. Or yeah, red oak. Any ash. of the oaks have it. Ash has it. Um, any Like cherry doesn't have it. What, maple doesn't have it. They have really tight grain or really tight cell structures. But uh, walnut is like really open. So is elm and ash and all these – the sanding sealer, you can actually thin down to 50% and it will get into those little cracks. And so basically you lay down a coat and you almost essentially sand it back almost all the way entirely. And what you're doing is you're making a substrate inside the little tiny grain openings so that when you spray down your uh, clear over the top, you have a perfectly flat surface for it to adhere to. So when you kind of look down the site of it on the horizon, you don't see any any spots where it goes in. So it's ba- it's a grain filler essentially. It's a clear grain filler. Um, the other thing is with sanding sealer is water based finishes don't typically have as much of that pop as the oil based and the solvent finishes do. Uh, sanding sealer will actually give you a lot of that back. Um, it's more it's it's more steps you have to do. You know, it's like two coats. You're going to want to do it maybe even three. But if you do thin coats, add more stuff in there. You're going to have more. It gives the the finish more depth without it feeling thicker, like a thick film, like you've laid down plastic over the thick. top. So the sa- 
thick. So the sanding sealer will give you some more depth to that finish and it will actually get – like if you have some figure, it will look more like you sprayed an oil finish over that. It won't look exactly the same as an oil finish. It's going to be a more muted for sure. Um, but if you spray it for 30 years, you're probably not going to die from it. So you got to kind of choose which one. And realistically, the bottom line is the majority of people who um, – the only people who are going to complain about that depth being missing is woodworkers. Your customer probably doesn't care or notice. So um, just something to think about. But the sanding sealer for big tables, I like to do it because it brings out e- even amount of character throughout the table and then it fills in that grain. So that's the answer to that on sanding sealer. Dan. You can also buy sanding sealer in different colors. So if you yeah. like the look of like a patinaed wood, a – you, you know, a, a rescued or a recycled wood or what do you reclaimed? That's the word for rescue, uh, recycle, reclaim, reclaimed wood. <laughs> you can buy like a, a black sanding sealer, which I have in the shop actually, and I haven't had a chance to use it, but that would look great in a reclaimed wood that has a lot of like open grain and, and stress Pine. fractures and stuff. I got, I got some, uh, a couple years ago, I got some really great, like uh reclaimed cedar from an old fence. And I redid that, and some of that black sanding sealer would have looked phenomenal in that stuff because it just accentuates the 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 grain and the uh, the quote unquote oldness and the the patina. I think so. Pete, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I I just use sanding sealer for mainly for CNC uh, work where I carve something out and then I spray it because I've learned that uh, a lot of paint runs and it'll just like you know run into the grain. So you got to make sure to seal that up if you pour any epoxy in there uh, or if you're painting inside uh, the area. And then yeah, just you leave it like as a, is. Obviously, you can't sand it out. You just sand the top. Oh, that's coat, a good point. But you have to spray inside. If you've got any, yeah, if you've got like an engraving, if you're engraving into a piece of wood, you're going like a, if it's a V-bit, right? It's going mm-hmm. cross grain in a lot of different directions. And you're basically going to try to spray paint into ingrain. It's going to soak it right in and just it's going it right to go up. on there unevenly. So with the sanding sealer, you could spray that and then hand sand it real quick and you kind of break it back and then everything applies more evenly. So you could do that yep. something similar with like shellac, um, but sanding sealer is quick and easy. It's just, you know, it's just like a watered down finish. Essentially. Uh, unwaxed shellac. Make sure you get on waxed shellac. Yep. Dewaxed. Yep. Correct. Bikini wax shellac. <laughs> Brazilian. It's 100% correct. Uh, John Sapowski, he has this to say. Hey guys, this is John Sapowski at Seppo's Workshop calling in. I have a question about floating shelves. I have a bit of a drinking problem with the whiskey. <laughs> I have about 40 to 60 bottles in a little cabinet and it's getting a little too full. So I was wondering if you had any suggestions on floating shelf hardware. Eh, that's about it. Short and sweet. Thanks, guys. Dan, which ones on Amazon do you buy? <laughs> Actually, I don't. I make my own just oh, out of like two by fours oh. and stuff. Uh, but I was going to suggest, you know, John, maybe it's time to step up and drink a little bit more of that whiskey <laughs> so you don't have this problem, bro. Um, but yeah, I always I always make my own out of two by fours. And, you know, it's it's on a case by case basis. It's not always the same. So. I just try to make whatever works for the application I need it for. I've never bought uh, floating shelf hardware. Even the floating shelves I just installed, I made my own. Pete? I So I've gotten several over last decade. Anyone's Anywhere from the, you know, it's like a long bar with two, two or three, like, poles rods. <laughs> sticking out of it. Rods. 
uh, where you just mount it straight to the wall and put it on. But like drilling those out is a nightmare. Yeah, see, it is. It's it's awful. It's like the worst thing to do because of course you got to use one of those bits that you like use for like drilling through a wall to like run cable or something. Because what other bit is that length? So uh, stay away from those. The other ones that are really really good, but they also can't take like a crazy amount of weight. They can take a good amount of weight. Uh, is the ones that are essentially just. It's like almost like a Z clip, but it's like a full run of it. And there's two parts. There's a part that you attach to the wall, and there's a part a part that you attach to the it's like a French cleat. Uh, the shelf itself. It's a French cleat essentially, um, and you just have to route out a section inside the wood. So that's the only tricky part. You have to route out a section. Probably make a little jig for it. Um, the last one is to make a French cleat. It's uh, you know sometimes if it's a big enough shelf, sometimes you know like uh, Dan, the ones you made were a little thicker, right? They were like two, three inches. Yeah, they were just uh, they were just. Uh, one and a half by one and a half inch strips. And you made like a frame, yeah. right? I made a frame. Yeah, so like you, but you know, it, if you're doing something a little thicker, you can hide it. I it worked out good like, because these these were corner shelves, uh, inside mm-hmm. corner shelves. So I didn't need to bring bring out the the hardware any. Like it could just sit on the brackets that I on top. Yeah, of it. yeah. Like I've seen people do uh, an entire mantle with a wooden French cleat. They screwed it into the wall and then popped the mantle right on top. So that's strong enough as well, but um, I haven't done a ton of those. I've I've done just some some of those. My best results have been with the the metal French cleat system. I don't have one specifically I recommend, but um, I mean I'll just go by Amazon and get get whatever has French been cleats are incredibly strong and super strong. and uh, they work great. I mean, yeah, all my clamps are sitting on a single French cleat. Every one of my clamps and. That must be four or five hundred pounds of clamps. I mean, I have a crap load of clamps, so I mean, it'll it'll hold a shelf, no problem. Yeah, Mike, do you have a recommendation? No, not for a brand. I've I've only done one floating shelf ever, or it was two shelves for a lady. I did the ones with the bar and the rod in it, but I built. I didn't drill it out. I built the body up around the mm, spot where we're going. So, but uh, it sucked. I mean, it just sucked. It wasn't great. Um, and floating shelves are, unless you're going to pop the drywall off and attach directly to the stud with those metal ones, um, they're not going to be particularly strong with like those drywall grommets that go through the back. Those aren't, those aren't going to do it. So, yeah. um, the only other thing that I've done in the past and I've done it a few times, I don't know if you guys remember that walnut, like hall tree coat rack thing I had made, uh, Mm -hmm. like a year and a half ago or something. Anyway, that is held up with a French cleat. I mean, that's just a walnut French cleat. I had an ugly piece of walnut that was sapwood. I ripped it at a 45, or I cut it in half, cut 45s, attached it. I mean, that that shelf probably weighs 85 pounds by itself, and it's got coats and hats and my wife's decorations up there. I mean, there's probably 160 pounds on that French cleat, and it's got six or four uh Four studs it's it's screwed into with two screws. I, I mean, that thing's not moving ever. It's in just it's it's yeah. beefy boy. So the French cleats, like Dan was saying, they're just crazy strong. Like you can really count on them if you can hide them and conceal them. No one will know. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's one way to do it. Uh, this next question is from Jer- Josh, which we pronounced his name wrong Josh. apparently like thirty episodes ago. Here we go, Josh. Hey guys, it's Josh from Five Hundred Seven Woodworks here. Dan, I hope this time around you can remember my name. I know episode 52 was a little questionable. Um, anyways, uh, my question is, uh, I have a potential future client asking me to build built-ins in her home, which is awesome, but 
I've never done built-ins before. Uh, so I'm, like, I'm curious is if you have ever taken on a project that you've never done before and is above what you're used to doing. Um, if so, did you do it for pay still? Or did you have the customer be liable for any, I guess, screw-ups that you made during the process and just took it as a learning experience more so than a financial gain? Um, just curious on how you go about this and... Yeah. Um, appreciate everything you guys are doing. Keep it up. We'll talk to you guys later. Dan? Well, John. Have you ever built anything you didn't know how to build? John? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jimothy. Um, yeah, those uh, <laughs> those uh, Murphy doors. I'd never built those, but I can't imagine going to the client. You know, I've never done this, so you're going to be liable for all my goof-ups. Sorry. <laughs> it's just... I, I can't imagine a client's going to be like, okay, but... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you just don't <laughs> tell them. I mean, you know, you let them know. I've never done this, but I can do it. That's what that's what I told the guy that, that wanted me to do the Murphy doors. You know, I've never done this, but I can absolutely do it. Turns out I couldn't, so I had to bring in Nick Brim. You just have to have a second. <laughs> you just have to have a... You have to have a uh, plan B, which I was lucky enough to have. Also, uh, word of caution... I don't know what the the laws are or whatever that is in in your area, but for something like built-ins, you might need a contractor's license. So you might want to definitely going to need a contractor's license. Yeah, <laughs> definitely for an install. Yeah, I mean, yeah. with built-ins, you're kind of. I always say, if if I'm doing something that changes the structure of the home, and a built-in would be such a thing, like you're going to have to remove drywall or or something. You know, you're going to need like a contractor's license, probably. I'm not going to say 100 percent because I don't know where you're at. You might yeah, be in the backwoods like, of Virginia, for all I know. I don't know. <laughs> any alteration of the structure, so like here to do built to do built-ins, you have to get a C15, which is a cabinet. You have to get a cabinet maker's license, basically millwork, finish work stuff right. like that. So definitely look into it. Yeah, Mike, you want to expand on what I was saying? Not really. Okay, no. Cool. I mean, every time you, I mean, you really, I mean, the bottom line is, is, uh, you need to challenge yourself. Yeah. Like you can't like let the fear win. Like you got to do things you've never done before that as soon as you like make yourself do stuff, you're going to find yourself. That, so the next time that comes, you're going to not only know how to price it right. Uh, you're going to have more confidence in yourself. And every time you get more confidence in yourself and your abilities, you're going to have more and more confidence in yourself and abilities. Even if you have a thing you take on and it like ends up becoming um, not going as well as you'd hoped, you know, um, just being able to recover from that, not with, not with just like your own pride intact, but making sure your customer is still happy with the job at the end of it, no matter what, that's really important. So, um, you know, you got to be able to take on big, big jobs if you want to keep growing your business That's right the bottom line like yeah it's got to be able to say yeah i want to add on to what i was saying i didn't i didn't just do it for the learning experience i did charge my client and you know we had an agreement um that took a lot of time and your time is valuable so you should be getting compensated for your time and it still took some of my expertise i still kind of knew things i mean i didn't go into this blind with the murphy doors I was just lucky enough that I had Nick to take over because I actually had other jobs that needed to get done. So I couldn't like revert back to that job. And uh, I was going to say something else and I forgot. I completely blanked. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I took Pete's uh, window of opportunity to talk. So No, no, it's fine. I mean, 
all I'm going to say is like almost every project aside from repeat projects, i.e. like cutting boards or repeat tables or whatever it might be, have, has always been that. It's, it was, that's how I was learning. I was never uh, classically trained or whatever. Like that, <laughs> nobody, you know, like I didn't go to school for this. Uh, none of us did. We learned it kind of as we go. Every job from somebody wanting just like a two by four picnic table when you're first starting out to built-ins is is you figuring it out mm-hmm. and um you know the way i would position it to not the client but to yourself is i'm gonna take a gamble on this worst case scenario i botch the job and i lose that money but i get a i gain a lot of experience like can you financially swing potentially losing that money and being actually at a loss on that job because i bet you you're gonna go in on that job and you're gonna kill it you're gonna be great I mean, three years ago, Mike didn't know how to build giant tables. He's an expert now. He learned how to do it. He figured it out. Calm down, Dan. <laughs> like, he figured out how to do it. He just, he, he talked to people. He, he did some stuff. He, he took some gambles on some stuff. Did and it some worked stuff. out great. He, no, like, I mean, you, you just did it. He did some dirt. Yeah, yeah. It's called a domino. Okay. Um, but like, he, he took a gamble on himself. He took a gamble on, on getting a CNC and a business and everything. And it worked out. It could have fallen through, but at the end of the day, if 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 hypothetically you want to walk away and just like sell his stuff, like the tools and everything has value, but he took that gamble. He's killing it now. You could be doing the same thing. Like, take a leap of faith. Every time I do, somebody hits me about a custom 3D printing commission, especially, they're like, hey, I want this thing. I just have these measurements. I'm going to design it. Like, I'm very clear with the customer. Like, hey, you're giving me dimensions over the internet, and I don't know how you're measuring them. I'm hoping they're correct. I'm going to make them exactly to those dimensions. If it doesn't work, like, let's talk. I'll work with you. But you you need to, like, know that is going to cost more for whatever. If you're very clear with them right out of the gate, you're fine. But don't ever short sell yourself. Don't ever tell them, like, well, I've never really done this. I don't really feel comfortable doing it. But if you're fine with it, I'll roll the dice. Yeah, you got to go into it with a bit of confidence. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to this. be able to sell it and make the customer – the customer needs to be comfortable and confident in your ability to do it the whole time. And yeah, Jacob. You got this. <laughs> I would say – I would say like not I – de- I don't know if like you do this full time, but for me doing it full time, if I had – or when I have someone come to me with a job like that, I typically will reach out to people who do that or have done that or that I know have done that and I will – I will ask if I can just sit down with them or get on a phone call with them and they can kind of walk me through things or I'll even show them where like my numbers are at so I can see. And then typically they'll be like, okay, well, this is, you're not thinking about this or this thing that you're spending time on. You're actually not going to need to do it because of this. And you can get a lot of information from your peers. So I would reach out to people who know. I called, I've called Dan on stuff for sure. I've called other people on stuff. I mean, you just, just call people. He doesn't and get call information. me. I don't free to print. Um, so, <laughs> no, no, so like, you know, I mean, you call, I mean, you call, reach people. out to Justin over at Rustics Grains, yeah. uh, Rustics Design, Grains Design Tampas, Tampers, 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 <laughs> Flow yeah, Reach out to Justin. He ah, does, all he does is casework sometimes and, and cabinets and built-ins. Feeling. That's Flow Rider. Anyway. <laughs> but that's all uh, he does all day. <laughs> I, you know, a 30 second conversation with him will probably like answer yeah, all the questions. I'm not, I know, listen, uh, I know that Justin will take your call or take your message and and help you out because Justin's very helpful. And I I'm I know I, I'm not speaking I'm speaking for Justin, but I know Justin will help someone else. He's very helpful and 
very knowledgeable with built-ins. But if you don't know Justin from Rustic Grand Designs, Tampa, um, reach out to someone who you do know who does built-ins. Uh, but for me, I try to say yes to everything. And if I like have a, if I feel confident in myself that I have a grasp on what I'm doing and what I'm pricing up, I'll usually price high in case I do mess something up so that I've made my money still. Because right. if something takes twice as long as I had planned, at least I haven't lost my whole butt yes. on it. So um, anyway. My strategy now is I don't say no to anything either. And uh, the way I look at it is if I don't know how to do it, I will figure it out. I mean, the internet right. is a very good source yeah. of information for a lot of it's things. It's wood. It's wood. You'll figure it yeah. out. It's wood. And that's well, another thing I tell myself. It's wood. I can remake it if it's wrong. I'll right. figure it out. Or I can have Nick Brim do it. Or I'll have Nick <laughs> Bud Light Brim do it. Bush Light. Come on. Bush Light. I'm sorry. Anyway, sorry. All right. This next question is from Josh the Dad. Josh I know him. Hey, guys. It's Josh the Dad. Yep, Josh the Dad, one of the big IG, coming at you with this week's question about wood movement. So here's my example. Last week, I was cutting out some coasters from a piece of alder, 22 inches long. I cut off the board, set it on my CNC, flattened one side, flipped it over, started doing my cuts. I goofed up. So I ended up pocketing out where my coasters were and getting them down to a depth. And then I cut my on my CNC, did my design, filled it with epoxy. And then I went back later and just flattened the entire board all the way down. And I got it to the depth, cut up my coasters, and they turned out great. This week, instead of pocketing out where my coasters were, I went ahead and just stuck it on my CNC. I flattened one side. I flipped it. I flattened the other side. And I got it all the way down to the, the thickness that I wanted for my coasters. As I took it out of the CNC to flip it, it maybe sat for an hour, I guess. I came back and it wasn't flat anymore. It had kind of shifted and moved on me. But, you know, being me, I just went ahead and started doing it. So I still need to finish that project. But I but it brought up a really strange question is how or can you deal with wood movement on a piece of wood? Is there a telltale sign that kind of notifies you, hey, I'm going to move or it is what it is. <clears throat> now, granted, I started out. It was a three-quarter inch thick piece of alder, and I got it down to a half inch. So I didn't think I went too crazy on it, but then again, you never know. So any advice, any suggestions? Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Dan. By the way, before we answer it, uh, just to explain it, when he's saying he pocketed out one side and then the other, what he means is he created a pocket toolpath, which means he just chose a rectangle and essentially use this CNC as a f- as a flattener, like a planer, and just flatten it out. That's what he means by pocket again, uh, it out. Just wanted to explain that. Um, and I guess I'll answer Pete, the, you go the first, yeah. second part. Yeah, but you might as well. Just wanted to uh, explain that. But as far as wood movement, I mean, if, that's kind of a weird thing for it to move that big. It wasn't a big piece of wood either. Uh, I saw you making those coasters. I'm wondering if you took off like a hair on one side and a heavy, like a pretty heavy cut on the other side, but it still shouldn't have moved that much, especially if it was a piece of alder that's been sitting around your shop. Now, as far as like, what was your humidity? What was, you know, what cut of wood was it? Like, uh, was there, you know, was it, um, what's the, you guys are better with like, which direction the grain is going. Like if it's like a smile and and frown on you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Frowns and crowns. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it was that. I always try to kind of pay attention to that, but, I would never think that it would cup on you that quickly, especially if it was a piece that's been sitting in your shop. 
Um, you know, usually if I'm working with some fresher wood, I always like anytime I mill it up, I let it sit for a day before I do anything. Um, because I just, it, I assume it might move on me, especially if I, I, if I haven't dried it and it's air dried, uh, or it's still acclimating to my shop. But if it's been sitting in my shop for a while, usually, I mean, I'll wait a couple hours or a day before I actually do stuff to it. So maybe try milling up some of that stock and getting it ready. And then the next day or in a few days, try, uh, try doing it again because you might need to run it through the planer just to just to flatten it out a little bit mike what do you think you do with a lot of cnc stuff so you ever run into this issue yeah i mean sometimes you just have wood that has so much grain tension in it that after you're done with it you just throw it in the trash can <laughs> sometimes you just can't win like it's it's this is hard to explain on a podcast but when you have wood especially like any sort of figuring in it the grain isn't just like this flat plane it's not just stacked pieces of fibers on top of each other. The grain sometimes just doesn't goes in crazy directions all over the place. So imagine you've taken you have something. Imagine that my visual here, which you can't see on the podcast, I'm holding my fingers together and they're going in different directions. Like here is the steeple, here take, are the people. Yeah. Watch the video, youtube.com slash another shot podcast. Oh, nice plug. And th- imagine <laughs> you took off one third of that thickness. Well, now you've got this kind of mess mashed down below here and the grain still going in different directions well now it's not on these ends now this this wood just came up like this because you removed all this wood that was kind of holding it down flat so the grain is like a structure it's the structure that holds itself together and if it goes in different directions um i get it honestly i really i have like a special spot in my heart for alder because it's one of the first hardwoods i ever worked with when i got into woodworking i really like alder i think it's really pretty stuff but it is so unstable for me. I just have – I've always had issues with it. It, I'll mill it and then I'll check it the next day and it's like a taco. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And it's it's just it's just crazy how bad alder can be sometimes. But um, it, it's cheaper for a reason. Like I think it's really pretty wood. Um, it's pretty consistent. It looks really nice. But it I think it has a pretty high uh, deficiency rate in terms of like after you mill it, it can do that. So I don't think it's crazy for alder. I think you get woods where like people are like, oh, I just love walnut so much. Well, it's because it's really stable. Like walnut is really stable wood. It's a really stable wood and it, it doesn't have a deal with a lot of that stuff. So um, it, it's just imagine you've got something that's three quarters of an inch thick. You now took it to half an inch thick. You removed one third of its structure and it's just going to respond. It just happens. So if that happens, I usually just throw it in the uh, fire pit pile and grab another one and move on to it. Now, I know sometimes that's not the case for people. Like I I have lots of wood in my shop. Not a lot of people have a lot of wood in their shop. So you just have to like kind of just keep an eye on it, which is harder to do, you know, when you have limited stock or like you can't just like turn around and grab some more alder off your shelf. It's not like an option for everyone. So you got to just kind of pay attention to it. I don't know. You can't win against wood movement. It will win. There's nothing you can do. Dan? Mike took some of the words out of my mouth. Yes, alder is a pretty unstable wood as far as a lot of hardwoods go. Yeah, as far as hardwoods go, it's a softer hardwood. And I find one of the softest. I find that the softer the wood, quote unquote, soft wood, uh, (laughs) it's it's unstable. Like pine is softwood and it's unstable Mm. AF, right? And alder's right up there with it. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Alder is coniferous, yeah? No? I don't know if alder is a cone bearing. I think no, I think if it's cone bearing that makes it a softwood. So I don't Oh yeah, that's is. right. I think <laughs> I, I think, don't know what I'm yeah. talking about. Anyways, uh <laughs> one of the other points I wanted to expand upon that I've never heard mentioned that I've ran into is especially when you're running a CNC, especially like a pocket, 
that creates a lot of heat, a lot of heat. And as you're introducing the heat to the wood, it will move and twist as soon as it starts cooling off. I've run into this problem. I did a uh, a big 32-inch by 18-inch flag uh, a couple weeks ago out of pine, like southern yellow pine. It was actually a good quality pine. And I did a lot of pockets. I did a lot of V-carving. I introduced some heat to it from the bit. And as soon as it started to cool off, it started cupping. So I believe that could be part of your problem as well. And what can you do to uh, avoid that? Like Mike said, it's it's tough to beat. Uh, wood yeah. movement is Mother Nature, and you're just not going to beat Mother Nature a lot of the times. You just have to plan for it or try to plan for it. You can't always plan for it. You know, sometimes there's tension in the wood. You don't know it's going to come up until it does, and you're like, ah, dang it. So, yeah. There's a reason By you way, want to factor in waste. Yeah, it is a deciduous tree. It wouldn't be. I think yeah, you're right. I think by nature, if, if it's, it's coniferous, it's, it's be softwood. softwood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm um, a bozo. Yeah, so. No, you're not. I just, I, I thought you were right. <laughs> sounded I right. I knew you were wrong. Um, Yeah, Josh. It's just kind of one of those things. It sucks. But uh, it is what it is. Um, This next question is from Nick Potter. Last week, he had a very long question. And we were razzing him a bit. But Nick, big thank you for calling in two weeks in a row, man. We really do appreciate it. Hey guys, it's uh, Nick Potter again. Thanks for answering last week's question about the robots. Also, thanks for the roast. Uh, my follow-up <laughs> question, and it's quick, is is this. With more and more robots and automation that um, is making its way into the hobbyist woodworking uh, workshop, at what point can you no longer market your product as handmade? <clears throat> thanks, and have a great week, guys. I kind of want to go first on this one, if you don't mind. My perspective Please. on it is like, I'm still manually loading it off of a truck. I'm still loading that lumber into my lumber racks. I'm still picking the lumber manually. Uh, I'm still deciding which pieces I'm using for these pieces. I'm uh, like for the for the Etsy stuff, you know, I mean, a lot of that I've purposely tried to automate as much as I can to make money on those things. Um, but I'm still doing all the work. I'm still sanding it by hand. I don't have a <laughs> robot doing that. Um, I think once you have a stack of wood on one side of a room and a robot pulls that onto a conveyor belt and then that goes onto a machine that then mills it on all four sides in one pass through, which they have those machines that do that, mills up the wood. And then that goes down to another machine that cuts them up into the lengths. And then that goes onto a CNC, which cuts out all the, that's when you're starting to not, that's obviously a factory and you're not handmade anymore. I think that when there's a, you know, when there's one person or like six people in a shop making a bunch of stuff and there's a CNC and some lasers in there and maybe other couple automated tools, you're still handmade in my opinion. Now, you're not like like a hand tool craftsman kind of deal. Um, you're starting to lose some of the uh, the, the craftsmanship, I would say, in, in, in that stuff. Um, but I still think it's handmade. That's my opinion on it. Dan? Yeah, this is an argument that's as old as power tools themselves. I right. mean – as soon as the first circular saw came on the on the market, people were like, oh, what is this crazy Not technology? Handmade. This ain't handmade anymore. There's no craftsmanship here. So, yeah, Mike's Mike's nailed it on the head. Like, you know, you could you could beat this argument all night long. It's just I think about this regularly. Like, I'm like, oh, when I go to my Etsy listing and I go, oh, it's handmade by me. I'm like, man, is this still handmade? Ah, like, yeah, it is. It is still I, handmade. I, I, it is. I use the, the tag handmade in all my Etsy 
product. Yeah. I, I mean, you have, but yeah, I don't even think about it. It is handmade. <laughs> I do a lot of this. Stuff. I'm still sanding it and I apply all the finish on all those things by hand. I don't even spray any of my Etsy listings. Yeah. They all get hand oil rubbed. Like it's right. all done manually. I mean, it's, that's and this, work. this argument is, is just as, as prevalent as a uh, PC versus Mac or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's pointless to argue about. Nobody's going to win. Pete, what do you think? Right. I agree with you guys both. If if you're putting your hands on, uh, even if you're cutting something out on a laser and you're assembling it with a little glue or whatever, it's handmade. It's a handmade item. You still, you know, you put in the work, you select the material, you you do the work. I mean, is my 3D printed stuff handmade? No. You know I mean, no. I, I designed it, I put in the work, I ship it, I, I kiss each piece. COVID, uh, and I, you know, <laughs> put a sticker in there, whatever. You like, I, I pack everything with care. And but love. your stuff's really that's automated. Just, I mean, that's not like no one's going like, yeah. I want to look for some handmade three D printed like, stuff. Yeah, no, <laughs> some handmade plastic pieces. Handmade <laughs> stuff like uh, it's somebody that carves uh, like a, a nice coffee spoon. Yeah. Uh, you know, just carves it by hand. Like uh, Nell from uh, Nell King Design, I think uh, she she hand carves spoons, and they're beautiful and they're gorgeous, and I. Actually, I gotta hit her up for one. That's really handmade, and you pay extra for that premium too, because like you know someone made it, and like that's what you're looking for. Uh, but then there's also you know you can get those like factory made, basically that like a piece of wood gets put into a machine, and a five axis machine can cut it out one every minute, and then like they just toss it into a bin in Amazon. You know, they can still list it as handmade, but not really. So if you touch it, if you put in some love and work into it, hell yeah, it's handmade. Totally. Um, the next question is from Mike with Proto. Hey guys, it's Mike from Proto. Question for you today on Etsy product photos. Do you guys, what do you guys do to stage your product photos? Um, get those looking really good uh, for your listings. Uh, I've been going through trying to, to work on that on my own uh, products and just wondering what you guys are doing there. Uh, second question I have for you is on Instagram. What kind? Of, where do you guys get your hashtags? Do you do you base your hashtags off of uh, what your post composition is, or do you just have a standard list of hashtags that you always use? Uh, love the podcast. Look forward <coughs> to hear your answers. Dan, I just make sure for the the Etsy photos. I just make sure the backgrounds aren't distracting. Um, I know a lot of people use the little. Uh, white tents and the photo tents and stuff and i've never seen the need for that they are handy i know mike and pete probably use them but i think the most important thing is make sure there's no distracting backgrounds you want to be focused on the piece itself and you need to be able to see the detail of the piece as far as the hashtags uh i've been working on it for several years and i've just kept a note a note on my phone and i've developed a uh, a hashtag system for each day of the week. So like Monday gets a certain set of hashtags Tuesday. So if you go to my post, you'll see that the hashtags line up with the days of the week. And it's a, it's kind of an ever evolving thing. Like I'll, I'll, I'll notice something's working and something's not. And I try to go with the, I have a, a three sort of like three step base, I guess it's uh like the, basic hashtags like woodworking woodwork wood shop and then i'll do something that's day specific like work for it wednesday or workshop wednesday and then i'll do something that's kind of more local like made in omaha made in nebraska 
So I, I combine those three into like a little set and I do each one for each day of the week. I hope that makes sense. Pete? Yeah, I try. I, I've tried the copy and paste, kind of use a similar or the same 10 or whatever, and then change up a couple for per post. Uh, then I tried, uh, I think, Dan, you recommended the site. It was Dis- like Display Purposes. DisplayPurposes.com. It's, yeah, a, good, it's it, a good starting point. Yeah, like you put in a, you know, a word and it gives you a bunch of hashtags for it. A couple of them sometimes don't make sense, but you can customize and choose what, whichever ones you want. Uh, that was a good starting point. Now I just tend to like just manually write them in. Um, I don't know. If the, I've heard that, you know, like, oh, if you put in woodworking every day for a couple of, you know, weeks or whatever, you're going to get like shadow banned or whatever. And like, I don't know how much true that has, but at the same time, just like, whatever, I'll just like customize it and like try some different ones. And it, once in a while, I'll go into the metrics and like actually see if anything was like from hashtags is it might be getting more views or whatever. Um, all I know that is right now, uh, apparently, uh, home renovation is, is, is not what people want to see because I'm bombing, <laughs> but maybe it's the hashtags, but I just try to do it, you know, random each time now. Mike, what about you? What about the picture thing for Etsy? Oh, the, oh, sorry. Yeah. Picture thing for Etsy. Sex sells. Yes. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Sex sells. But, <clears throat> uh, with all seriousness, Etsy does an actually remarkable job of giving you all the different, like even the preview pictures before you choose the pictures literally shows like someone wearing it someone like from an angle straight up down like try to use different angles try to uh have as 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 blank of a background as possible with some proper lighting uh if you can uh if you are you know if you have a good phone or if you're talented enough with a camera maybe a little bokeh a little blurry background uh always makes the, the item pop a little bit and this is not a photo but this is something that etsy it's one of those things that we talked about this in the past. If it's a feature, use it. Video. Right. You want little 15-second clips of literally... All you have to do is just pan around the item and then maybe show it being used. And I know the items you make and you can show it being used and installed very quickly. Make a quick little 15-second video. Uh, apparently, Etsy prioritizes those videos. And even if it's just a little percent, if you get a 2% boost on your post because you have a video in there, that's worth it. Do it. Mike? Uh, for Etsy, <clears throat> I do have a photo booth. I almost never use it anymore. It's kind of like black. It blows hey, out. Right there. Yeah, like the light blows out on it really bad. It's just so much. It's so much light. It looks un- unnatural. Anyway, I when I get my new office set up in the new house, I really <clears throat> want an area for taking photos of those smaller items. I also want to do like a roll up like backdrop that's on like a crank or something that for like for when I do finish pieces that I can have like a big one, like a 10 foot long one that I can roll up on the wall and pull it down for big pictures. But it's what Dan and Pete already said. Just don't have anything distracting. I'm trying to put graphics on mine and stuff. So there's the image and then like it has like my tag on there. I'm actually stealing that I from uh two moose. So they'll have like a graphic. It keeps all, even though the pictures are all different, the actual image is different. The, uh, the, uh, how it's, organized looks the same across all their images which i actually really like so i don't know if that's good or bad a good or bad idea for me to do i'm kind of experimenting with it so who knows um and then in terms of hashtag man i don't know man who knows hashtags are so instagram's so weird like who even knows how any of this stuff works dan does something pete does something i do something we all yeah i'm not saying what i do is right yeah we we don't even know like no one even knows like there's no answer like everything seems to be like everyone someone be like yeah i used 
you know, I used a workshop Wednesday three weeks in a row, and now I'm shadow banned, and no one even knows what shadow banned <laughs> even means, or what, you know, I don't even, who even knows, so, I don't know, I usually, I don't, I think in the, uh, a while back, I used to use the notes like Dan does, I actually probably even got that from Dan, was to put him in a notepad or something, I don't even know, but I used to do that, I don't do that anymore, um, I found that when I was copying and pasting hashtags, I was having more, um, issues with posts but it could also have just been all up in my head because some days i'll do some things and then posts will just go up so i don't even know i don't i can't even like pretend to know how any of this stuff works to be honest with you mike (laughs) i just don't know i don't know i just do my thing and my thing is this i just randomly put hashtags that are relevant to what i'm posting Nothing wild. Like if I'm putting up woodworking stuff, I don't be like, you know, Corvette. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You know, like it's woodworking related. Keep it and relevant. Then, yeah. Keep it relevant. And then. Uh, woodworking I, Corvette. Yeah. I do like my woodworking stuff. I go through all that stuff. Um, if I can tag, like if I'm doing, like I did the restaurant tables, I tagged restaurant, uh, food, things like that, that have big, broad sweeping uh, uses on Instagram, like if you can get food somehow worked in like a hashtag, a bunch of food hashtags or photography hashtags worked in your mm-hmm. stuff, those ones will grab a ton of people. So, um, and then I always do local ones. I have, uh, I typically do about six local ones. I do, I name three, three cities and three area codes or what is it? Zip codes, F- uh, area, area code codes. For I the- do area codes. Yeah. 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 I do the area code for my area. So I do three of them and those have actually, <clears throat> I'm certain that hashtagging local stuff has actually gotten me a really decent local following and because i know this for a fact because i'll get people i'll get hits on my website for people requesting a quote and they'll be like yeah i found you on instagram i'm like oh how'd you find me on instagram it's like i just was looking at the local area and your post came up so um it works i I pay more attention to the local tags than i do the broad sweeping tags yeah for sure you really want to make sure you hit those 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 local tags anyway so that's kind of it for the questions this week um we're actually doing pretty good on time i considering how many questions right. we got we got a bunch of questions this week it was great we haven't had this many questions in a long time um that was awesome so yeah, yeah. guys keep calling in yeah seriously keep calling the questions yeah. keep sharing the show keep giving us those weirdo reviews we love those <laughs> those are so, <laughs> so great good. i just the love funnier those the better so yeah like i love- <laughs> <laughs> Mesothelioma money. <laughs> it was good stuff. Anyway, you guys are awesome. Thanks for uh, all the support you guys give us. Uh, just a super cool community. I've got to get to work to getting some people on the show. we got to get some guests in here soon. So I actually have a couple of messages out now, and there's a couple I need to follow back on. So um, we're going to get those going soon. We'll get more information together about when me and Dan are flying out to Pete's house. Uh, I don't think we're going to do a maker meetup thing. I think we're going to kind of keep it low-key, except for we are going to go to the maker. Oh, yeah. The maker, I was going to say, like, uh, we didn't actually talk yeah, about that Yeah, we didn't that bring that show. up, did we? Oh, we didn't, did we? No, did we didn't. We? That was in a pre-show. Yeah, Mike Mike and Dan are flying out to Jersey. No, we brought too. up, we were coming to Pizza Jersey, but I don't think we brought up but the maker camp. The maker camp. No, yeah, we and didn't. then, so yeah, Mike, you want to tell them about the yeah, so big thing? Yeah, so the big, I mean, it's, there's, we were, uh, we're going, it's me big. and Dan are going out to Pete's uh, the week, the first week of October, which I think we mentioned in the show, but we didn't mention this part. It just so happens that the maker camp up in, um, where is it? It's East Durham? East Durham. Yeah, it's where East Jimmy's Durham, at, right? uh, New York. It's upstate yeah, New York by Jimmy Duress's it's thing. Blackthorn Resort. Resort, yeah. So it's a yeah. maker camp. You can. Uh, we're going to get the uh, maker passes. We want to go to see all the classes and talk to everyone. So um, we'll be down there on Saturday. I don't think we'll be there any other days. Probably just Saturday. I think we're going to try to limit it to the one day. We're going to get out there real early. We're going to leave early in the morning um, and then drive out there and hang out. 
What? Dan, you can sleep in a car. All right. Yeah. All right. We're going to leave. It's a two and a half early. hour drive for us. Yeah, it's but better we'll, that, we'll make that you it. sleep when we drive anyway, so we don't have to make 75 <laughs> stops. Um, so we're going <laughs> to we're gonna drive out there early, and we're going to hang out all day and hang out real late, and Pete's going to stay real sober so we can drive home. Oh, Emma's going. No. Outstanding. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, why do you think she's coming, DD? Thanks, baby. No, Mike Mike said he can't drink because he has diet. Oh, so yeah. He's I'm not the... really drinking. I'll drive, too. Oh, Mike's driving. Oh, you're going to love the Subaru, man. It yeah. handles like a truck, but it doesn't. Yeah, I drove one of those when I was a girl. Um, the, uh, no, the sun has uh, it's all yeah, real Jack, something Jack's got a couple Subarus <laughs> no uh, I'm little tyke Subaru <laughs> nope just a regular outback <laughs> um, <laughs> no uh, that's gonna be really cool I mean it's been so long since we've gone to like a maker thing I'm so excited like a, outside of something we've organized it's been a long time since we've done a maker thing so I'm really excited about that so anyway Big thanks to all you guys for all the support. We will talk to you guys, well, throughout the week, but we'll do the podcast next week. And hopefully you can join us in the pre-show live. Check out YouTube for all of us. Check out all of our Instagrams and even our Facebooks and our TikToks. Dan's huge over there. He's like, uh, he's the, uh, I don't know, the Betsy Ross. He's what you call a big deal. TikTok. Um, <laughs> so anyway, check us out over there. Oh, and, and uh, you know, check out our Etsy stores. If you're looking for some handmade stuff, mostly handmade, <laughs> uh, <laughs> really great. Um, yeah, that's everything's it. shipped yeah. and handled. Handled, except for the shirts. Uh, we right. handle the shirts. shirts. That's done entirely by robots out of Indonesia. So big thanks to those kids. Uh, so <laughs> handmade. Hashtag. Oh, big, yeah, handmade. Hashtag. Uh, all right, love you guys a long time. Bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Love you long bye, time. Bye bye bye. 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 Sorry, I have a disease. You may, don't worry about it. That was nice. <laughs> Lovely hat! <laughs>